This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. How's it going? All right. Not bad. How about with you? Uh, Things are good. Things are good. Hanging in there. Hey, this week we've got a bunch of recent arrivals, or new arrivals, things that have come in. So let's talk about those today. All right. All right. Okay, first, uh, uh, Epic Fantasy. I think we spoke about this before, but uh, um, it's called The Rune Lords. Mm-hmm. Book one, Some of All Men by David Farland, who's a, a local author to me. He lives down in uh, St. George, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, 22 Hours, 17 Discs. This is from uh, Blackstone Audio, read by a fellow named Ray Porter. Don't know him. Don't, yeah, I don't, I don't recognize his name either. Um, says here he's been on Frasier and ER and Will and Grace and The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a show I'm very familiar with. Really? Mm-hmm. I've never even heard of it. It's a Disney Channel kids show ah. that uh, my kids are both fans of. Well, you maybe you'll recognize them when you... Maybe yeah. I will. Yep. <clears throat> um, he's written several volumes in the Rune Lord series. I don't know how many there are right now. Um... Let me just read some of this on the back. It says, David Farland's acclaimed Rune Lord series introduces a world where the social structure is based upon the magical exchange of endowments, such as stamina, grace, and wit. The Rune Lords are those who receive these endowments from their vassals, becoming superhuman in exchange for the responsibility of caring for those they have deprived of strength or beauty or sight. Young Prince Gaborn of Mysteria is traveling to disgu- in disguise on a journey to ask for the hand of the lovely Princess Iomi of Silveresta. <laughs> Armed with his gifts of strength and perception, the prince and his bodyguards stop at a local tavern where they spot a pair of assassins who have their, who have their sights set on Princess Iomi's father. As they race to warn the king, they realize that more than the royal family is at risk. The very fate of the earth is in jeopardy. Well, that's that. Um, I was just looking it up. We did talk mm-hmm. about we talked about it in episode eight, and this is the one you were telling me um, where people go around branding other people. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a, that yep. sounds pretty good. It, yeah, it's I've read it in print, and it's a it's a very good book. The first one in the series, you say? Yes, it is. Uh huh. Okay. Good place yeah. to start then. Um, yeah, the sum of all men I think is a subtitle that was added later, but uh, when I bought it originally, it just said the Rune Lords on it. Okay. And then I think they decided to call the series the Rune Lords, so the subtitle is The Sum of All Men. Sounds good. All right, next one from Brilliance Audio, um, Dragonheart by Todd McCaffrey, mm-hmm. uh, one of the dragon writers of Pern books. Uh, Todd McCaffrey, it looks like, has um, taken over now from Anne McCaffrey. There was a, a number of books that had both their names on it, you know, by Anne McCaffrey and Todd McCaffrey, but now this one's just by Todd. But it does say Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders mm-hmm. on the top. So Dragonheart is a name, though, that, I mean, that was a film, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think I, I'm right. sure it's not, it's not the same story. I'm not saying that. No. But, um, Dragonheart is a, is a title we've heard before. I think you're right. 
Um, read by Emily Durante. Um, Looks like it's a sequel. It says, uh, oh, author of Dragon's Blood. Is this a sure. series of, uh, oh, obviously, Dragon series from Anne McCaffrey, but... Yeah. Is this a Pern book? It is, yeah. Dragon Riders of Pern, Dragonheart. Alrighty. Um, yeah, this means you read part of this. Sure. Um, the, grim, the grim specter of sickness looms over the wires of Pern, felling fire lizards and posing a potentially devastating threat to their dragon cousins. Pern sold defense against the deadly phenomenon that is Thread. Fiona, the youngest and only surviving daughter of Lord Bemin, is just coming of age and about to assume the duties of Wirewoman when word spreads that dragons have indeed become, begun succumbing to the new contagion. You're calling it a wear. I think. I think it's a uh, wire. I think it's supposed to be wear. You think it's wire? Wear. Wear. Uh huh. That's one of those I've always uh, pronounced that way. Yeah. Wire. I don't yeah. think it's wire. I think it's wear. Uh huh. I don't know why. Yeah, I am a. I used to be, I guess, a fan of uh, the Dragon Riders books. I don't know why I got away from them because they are all really good. Every one I've ever read. Um, now are they I read, you know, the, the first trilogy and. Uh, What's that? Are they fantasy or science fiction? I would say they're science fiction. <laughs> you know why? Uh, because of the uh, explanation of why the dragons exist. Okay. Because they're um, genetically engineered. They were... Uh, um, the Pern people are colonists from another planet. I yeah. can't remember if it said they were from Earth or whatever. But the dragons were invented to take care of as a, as a good way to take care of the thread which falls and destroys things everything it touches mm-hmm. so they were genetically engineered by scientists well definitely then science fiction yeah because they're you know science scientists that's right. scientists man that's right <laughs> all right now from penguin audio have you heard of jim butcher yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wrote... I mean, he's famous for the Dresden Files, right? Mm-hmm. He's, um, you know, which is... Uh, Buzz, buzzy Somewhat Buffy, Buffy-like universe, as I understand it. it it's, uh, you know, the, the Dresden Files. Are you familiar with those? Yeah, it's a TV show and, um, sure, the books. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he's written an epic fantasy series that I was not aware of until I got these in. Mm. Um, they sent us four volumes wow. of... Yeah, the first book, it's called, the, the series is called the Codex Alera, A-L-E-R-A. Uh-huh. Um, the first book is called Furies of Calderon. And um, I've got Wikipedia up here in front of me, mm-hmm. and um, it summarizes the series, so let me read that. Codex Alera is a fantasy book series by Jim Butcher. The six books in the series chronicle the life of a young man named Tavi in the Empire of Alera on the world of Karna. Every Alaran of every rank and station except for Tavi has some degree of command over elemental forces or spirits called Furies. The story takes place after the rise of a fictional empire similar to Rome, where the first lord must stave off infighting amongst the nobility of a now decadent empire and hold the throne through sheer force of strength and will. Tavi, trapped by fate in the midst of conflicts at home and abroad, must use all of his intelligence to save Alara. Hmm. So, is this an older series? Does it say when this it came? It says um, 
on on Jim Butcher's site, it, it was uh, two thousand. Yeah, they're they're not ancient. No, but they're uh, pre- they October fifth his... October fifth two thousand four where the first one was released. Yeah, so it predates his um his uh, new newer series, I guess, the Dresden Files. Does it? Um, I think so. Only four years ago. Okay. I think it does. I could be wrong. Okay, Dresden. Or maybe it's contemporary with. Um, so Buzzy Multimedia yeah. has um, all the Dresden File books. Okay. Um, and I guess Penguin's got this. Yeah, Penguin's got uh, this epic fantasy series. And, I haven't seen anything uh, it, from Penguin in a while, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, well, they're the ones who sent us the little book, which I am listening to right, right now. Right, right. Um, yeah. And they, uh, it's read by Kate Redding, who is fantastic. She reads uh, some of Robert Jordan's stuff as well. That's how we know him in this house anyway. Isn't she deceased? No, her, I mean. Kate Redding, I don't think so. Okay. No. Um, who, who am I thinking is was, deceased? I think it was. Uh, oh, I know, I know, I know who you mean, but gosh, I can't remember her name. It's uh, she was a Blackstone. Um, yeah, maybe a friend of Kate's. Um, could be. Oh, jeez. Blackstone Audio. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. But no, I don't believe it was her. Hmm. Okay. Well, if she's not dead, sorry about that, Kate. (laughs) Still not dead. What's Um, up, (laughs) Kate? Not quite dead. There we go. Okay. All right, so the first uh, volume is called Furies of Calderon, and then um, book two is called Akadem's Fury. Book three is called Cursor's Fury. And then, uh, for some reason, they didn't send book four, but book five is Princeps Fury, and that's one that just came out. Um, that no is a book new four. Then we, you don't need to read that one. <laughs> <laughs> book four is called Captain's Fury, so um, I'm sure if They probably start, just didn't have any stock. It looks like my wife has started to listen to this first one, so... Oh, good. She's, uh, she likes the epic fantasy, which is cool. Yeah, that is good. Okay, um, Random House. I've got three titles from Random House. You did get a lot. Yeah. The first one is called The Widows of Eastwick by John Updike. Also read by Kate Redding. That's an old so, one. No, this is brand new. Oh. The uh, The Witches of Eastwick is the one you're probably thinking about. Yeah, the Widows, I guess it was. The Widows of Eastwick is a sequel, so it's a brand new sequel by John Updike. Wow. Pulitzer Prize winner. Yeah. Yeah, Pulitzer Prize, National Book Award, American Book Award, National Books Critics Circle Award, Rosenthal Award, and Howell's Medal. Those are awards that John Updike has won. Not for this novel. Right. Um, but anyway, I'm actually looking forward to it. Let me read just a little bit of the back. Mm-hmm. Um, more than three decades have passed since the events described in John Updike's The Witches of Eastwick. The three divorcees, Alexandra, Jane, and Suki, have left town, remarried, and become widows. They cope with their grief and solitude as widows do. They travel the world and renew old acquaintance. Why not go back to Eastwick for the summer? The old Rhode Island seaside town, where they indulged in wicked mischief under the influence of the diabolical Daryl Van Horn, is still magical for them. Now Daryl is gone, and their lovers of time have aged or died, but enchantment remains in the familiar streets and scenery of the village. And among the local citizenry, there are still those who remember them and wish them ill. 
how they cope with the lingering traces of their evil deeds, the shocks of a mysterious counterspell, and the advancing inroads of old age form the burden of Updike's delightful, ominous sequel. <laughs> I um, I, I like how that incorporated some advertising at the beginning for advertising for the own book. Why not spend mm-hmm. the spend the summer with some witches? <laughs> Heck yeah! Yep, good stuff. Did you read the original? Um, no, no movie though. I've read a couple of John Updike novels. One of them was called Roger's Version, which is kind of science fiction as well. Oh, uh, no, it's uh, not science fiction when he does it, though. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It was about... Um, gosh, I, I, I just barely remember it. It was about uh, a computer programmer who created a world or something like that. Okay. So, like... Um, um, and then um, I read the first... The first rabbit novel. He's written... I think he won the Pulitzer Prize for his rabbit novels. Yeah, I've read a lot about those, but I haven't read that. I read that. Yeah, I read the first one. All right. Very exciting release here. Um, Poe's Children, as in Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. That's how they spell it. It's a new horror anthology by Peter Straub, edited by Peter Straub. That should be great. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. They've uh, Some of the narrators, Mark Bramhall, Cassandra Campbell, Mark Deakins, Dominic Hoffman, Lincoln Hopp, Anne-Marie Lee, John Lee, Don Leslie, Rebecca Lohman, and Donna Rollins. I know uh, Mark Bramhall we've heard before and John Lee we've heard before, and um, they're really excellent narrators. Um, Who are some of the authors? Okay, here we go. In fact, I'll read you the whole table of contents. Okay. Um, the first story is called The Bees by Don Chown, C-H-A-O-N. Next one is Cleopatra Brimstone by Elizabeth Hand. Mm-hmm. And then The Man on the Ceiling by Steve Rasnick and Melanie Tem. Body by Brian Evanson. Louise's Ghost by Kelly Link. Mm. Lita by M. Rickert. The Two Sams by Glenn Hirschberg. Notes on the Writing of Horror, a Story, by Thomas Ligotti. Le- Go ahead. No, I was Le- just thinking uh, the titles are all take are all sort of spin-offs of, uh, if not directly from Poe stories, they're related to particular styles of Poe writing. Keep going. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Little Red's Tango, by Peter Straub. The Ballad of the Flexible Bullet, by Stephen King. <laughs> Miss Alonghi, 1824, by John Crowley. And Insect Dreams, by Rosalind Palermo Stevenson. It's, it's not a huge anthology, but uh, no, there's it's, some great uh, names in there. Yeah, 15 hours long, 12 discs. Holy cow. Yeah. That's, that's so lengthy. I'm very much looking forward to this one. That sounds great. Yeah, they don't do this enough. <laughs> Well, you know, um, glad somebody's doing it. And Peter Straub, yeah. I haven't I haven't read anything from him in a while, but uh, he, he writes real good. Yes, he does. Real scary. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you know that that's one I need to listen to. I actually have the Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Straub hmm. on audio. It's a giant bunch of CDs, but I have not read that book, and um, I need to get to it. I think I found it on eBay. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Okay, uh, another one from Random House Audio is Star Wars Millennium Falcon by James Luceno, or, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it, L-U-C-E-N-O. Mm-hmm. A um, couple interesting things to note. First thing is it's read by Mark Thompson. Um, Jonathan Davis has read uh, Star Wars novels, almost every single one of them, for several years now. At least at least three. <laughs> Um, they seem to get a narrator, and then they kind of stick with him or her for a while. Um, so this uh, signifies a change in narrator to a fellow named Mark Thompson. Mm-hmm. And then it is unabridged, wow. which is also Great. new. Again, um, we've talked about this before. If you look at the the history of the Star Wars audiobooks, you're looking at the history of uh, the modern audiobook publishing world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they started with... Uh, two cassette abridgments and then um, they changed uh, to uh, CD only Mm -hmm. and then they uh, extended their abridgments in length and now they are doing nothing but unabridged and that's great yeah. So what's the what's the plot of Millennium Falcon? I, I well, I'm gonna, they, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read one it or something. <laughs> I'm gonna read this paragraph with a warning, okay? Because the Star Wars novels are a continuing story. Um, you know, they claim to keep a pretty tight grip on it, and uh, it's all supposed to make sense together, etc. But what that means is this is book like you know. Um, 30 or something. I have no idea how many Star Wars novels there are. So, as I start to read this, there's spoilers for stuff that came before. So, okay. if you don't want to hear it, then uh, uh, fast forward now. <laughs> but here we go. Two years have passed since Jason Solo, seduced by the dark side and reanointed as the brutal Sith Lord of Darth Cadus, died at the hands of his twin sister, Jaina, Sword of the Jedi. See, that's a little spoiler rich, isn't it? Boy, I didn't know Jason Solo <laughs> existed, so... Oh, for a grieving Han and Leia, the shadow of their son's tragic downfall still looms large. But Jason's own bright and loving daughter, Alana, offers a ray of hope for the future as she thrives in her grandparents' care. And when the eager, inquisitive girl, in whom the Force grows even stronger, makes a curious discovery aboard her grandfather's beloved spacecraft the much-overhauled but ever-dependable Millennium Falcon, the Solo family finds itself at a new turning point. Together, they must set out on an odyssey into uncertain territory, untold adventure, and unexpected rewards. I'm going to guess that so, Ben Kenobi left a note in the bathroom when, <laughs> when uh, he was on board. Well, I, I think they've done a really good job with these Star Wars novels. I've read several of them. Um, but Jason Solo and Jaina are the the son and daughter of Han and Leia, mm-hmm. and now it looks like they've got a granddaughter named Alana. So um, it's it's kind of neat how they've done it. You know, I, I can't possibly read all the ones that come out, um, but every no, now and then it's a whole uh, it's a whole tradition. You have to sort of only only do Star Wars books, but yeah. uh, that's pretty yeah. good. Uh, unabridged. It's pretty neat. Yep, unabridged. I'd see it. That's good news. All right. Then I have a stack here from Macmillan Audio. Yum, yum. Yeah. Um, they sent us Book 8 of The Wheel of Time, The Path of Daggers, by Robert Jordan. Now, there's 11 volumes out right now. Wow. And Brandon Sanderson, who we talked about who wrote Elantris, is going to write the final volume. In fact, he's doing that now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh, and he's on the latest tour podcast, by the way. Yeah. So, um, I can read a little bit of this real quick. Sure. Uh, with the... Sh- boy. S-E-A-N-C-H-A-N. How would you pronounce that? Sinchen. Sinchen Invasion Force in possession of Ebo Dar. Wow, I can't pronounce these names. <laughs> That's what the narrator's job is. to learn how to pronounce them. Um, my wife, Trish, every time a Jordan comes in, she listens to it. Um... By the way, it's read by Michael Kramer and Kate Redding. So there's another one by Kate right. Redding. Right. I think okay, maybe they're married. I can't. I can't remember. Anyways, Michael Kramer. Um, Michael Kramer. I used to. I used to love his narration of um, uh, the Richard Stark novels from uh, Books on Tape. Mm-hmm. Um, he had this awesome, awesome, like growly voice, and then. Uh, when he changes to another book, it's like, what? This is the same guy? Oh, where's that voice? Um, <laughs> and so he like he drops it for for more comedic novels and stuff. But maybe he uh-huh. gets to put it in uh, in some of these scary, uh, you know, sort of grizzled characters. Right. Huh. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was going to read some of this, but I can't pronounce their names. <laughs> Anyway, epic fantasy. I, I just butcher this whole thing. I mean, there, there's names throughout. So, um, oh, hey, how cool is this? I don't know. <laughs> Audio file says of these accomplished readers, solid solid performances by Kate Redding and Michael Kramer add a new dimension to the story, especially in the way these veteran narrators breathe life into the inner thoughts of the many major players. Guess who wrote that? Uh, you. Me? How funny. <laughs> really? Yeah, I really did. Uh, which, was that for us or was that for um No, it was audiophile. audiophile. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember which novel it was for. Uh, one of, one of the early I've, ones I've personally series. heard maybe three of these. One of those three. Um, <laughs> one of the three, yeah. Great. How cool. That's neat. Yeah. All right. Heretics of Dune by Frank Herbert. Read by, can you guess? Um, Scott Brick. Yes. In fact, I'm looking for who read it. It's not on here. <laughs> You're not sure? You're just guessing? Yeah, I'm guessing, but there it is. Ah, Simon Vance, Scott Brick, and Catherine Kelgren. So it's not a... Oh, it's a multi-reader. Yeah, it's a multiple, multiple reader. Yep. So this is the fifth installment in Frank Herbert's classic science fiction series. On Arrakis, now called Rackus... Known to legend as Dune, ten times ten centuries have passed. The planet is becoming desert again. The lost ones are returning home from the far reaches of space. The great sandworms are dying, and the Bene Gesserit and the Bene Tliax struggle to correct the future of Dune. <laughs> What's that? Bene Tliax. It's T L E I L A X? Tliax. I don't Tli-lax. know. Okay. I don't know. I'm going from the movie pronunciation. <laughs> The children of Dune's children awaken as from a dream, wielding the new power of heresy called love. I just watched, uh, rewatched the original. Um, uh, I guess it's not the David Lynch movie; it's the uh, Alan Smithy version. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't care what anybody says; the greatest science fiction film ever done. Yeah, awesome, pure awesomeness. Cool. Um, and I like it mostly because it's so literary. It's it's like 
they they're doing people's thoughts. It's it it uh-huh. fully realizes that the the novel adds a couple of things to make it more visual. Um, but I so I can't imagine maybe, a better. Maybe version. I have absolutely no clue what you're talking about. I mean, you, this is not the David Lynch version of the movie. Well, uh, the David Lynch version of the movie is the one that came out in the theaters. Um, okay. The Alan Smithy version. Alan Smithy is uh, what happens when you take off the director's name. They put oh. a new name on there, and the name is okay. Alan Smithy. Um, and the reason oh. they did that is because he dis he doesn't want to be involved with. Um, having every scrap of footage he filmed put into the movie. Um, oh, okay. And so instead of being two hours, 20 minutes, it's like three hours long. Um, I see. And so there's lots of sequences that are slightly incomplete. So like um, in scenes where they should have blue within blue eyes, they they just don't have any, uh, any eye color effect, right? Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Or um, at the beginning, there's... Uh, and a few other spots, there's um, there's uses usage of full color um, illustration rather than um, uh, visual effects. Uh, oh. So you see pictures, uh, you know, drawings of what um, was going on on other planets. Oh, neat! Yeah, I need to watch that then because I I've always liked it. Oh, it's awesome! Um, but you're, I've you're never awesome. watched a, I've never watched an extended version of it. Oh, um, you'll love it. I remember listening to uh, you know Walden tapes put out an interview, yeah, with David Lynch and Frank Herbert, and Frank Herbert was very pleased with it. Well, I I don't I I don't know what everybody's problem is with this movie other than mm-hmm. the fact that they're they're stupid. I think everybody you know and who doesn't like and this movie. Sting's in it for stupid. heaven's sake. You know how could it be a bad movie with Sting? Sting's in it? fine. He's fine. Sting's in it. fabulous. Yeah, he's uh, he's my. Uh, Favorite musician. There you go. Yeah, he's he's my uh, my favorite Harkonnen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Although okay. that that um that other guy is pretty good too, the bear. <laughs> you bet. Guess what came in? What? It's giant. It's huge. Uh, um, Anathem by Neil Stevenson. Oh yeah. From Macmillan Audio. Don't break your desk when you put it down on it. <laughs> 28 CDs. Um, let's see. Read by William Dufries, Oliver Wyman, Tavia Gilbert, and Neil Stevenson. So, they have to yeah, take turns so, so they, they lose their breath going through it. <laughs> Heck yeah. In fact, I wrote uh, Dufries and I said, I just, uh, I just noticed that you read this thing. It must have been a marathon. And he said, oh yeah. No kidding, hey. And if if no they're doing kidding. if they're all in the studio recording together, man, that'd be one marathon session. <laughs> that the, would be something. The director is like, "Okay, uh. see you next week." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt that they do these together. We get some craft services and Yeah. Wow. That's but wow, I'm I'm hardcore. really looking forward to this. And we we've talked about it uh, a few times, so I um, thought you started well, listening I'm not to gonna, it. No, I didn't. Oh. Oh, I, I listened to. I was listening to it one day. We were probably skyping each other, but I need to finish uh, little book first, and then I'll get to this one. Okay. Um, but so I'm not officially into it. But yeah, I was listening to it to see what it was like. Well, I'm listening to uh, uh, another Scott Brick. Um, um, this is not Scott Brick, but I started listening to that Book of Lies by uh, uh, Brad Meltzer. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So so pretty good so far. We'll see. Well, good. We'll see. I'm, it's it's so um it's so strange. I, I don't know where it's going. Things like uh, things keep surprising me. So um, I'm hoping that I'm going to keep getting surprised and and be happy with all the surprises because uh, mm. it's it's not like anything I've read in a long time. Oh wow! Yeah. Neat. Mm-hmm. Neat. 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 And then something else came in, which is near and dear to my heart, because I'm a big fan. Face banker. En- Ender in Exile by Orson Scott Card. Now, this was a book I did not expect. Um, this one kind of caught me by surprise. Um, okay, first of all, it's a, a multi-reader in you know the way that uh, they've done most of the Ender novels. They kind of trade off with the point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's read by David Burney, Cassandra Campbell, Emily Janice Card, Orson Scott Card, Gabrielle DeCure, Kirby Hayborn, Don Leslie, Stefan Rudnicki, and Mirren Willis. So, um, I collection. I told you about this a uh, little while ago. Um, yeah, but I'm just saying it, it took me by surprise because uh, I, I thought that he was going to write two more Ender novels uh-huh. that were going to take place after the ones that have been written. And then he was going to write one novel that uh, brings the two threads back together. So he's got a line of shadow novels, which are about Bean. Right. And then he's got a line of Ender novels, which are about Ender. Mm -hmm. And then he was going to write... That's what I understood, anyway. Well, maybe he... he, Let me see if I can get get clarification. Um, But this one takes place between the last and penultimate chapter <laughs> of Ender's Game. Takes okay. place right in between those two. Okay. Um, so at the close of Ender's Game, Andrew Wigan, called Ender by everyone, knows that he cannot live on Earth. He's become far more than just a boy who won a game. He is a savior of the Earth, a hero, a military genius, whose allegiance is sought by every nation of the newly shattered Earth hege- hegemony. He is offered the choice of living under the hegemon's control, a pawn in his brother Peter's political games, or he can join the colony ships and go out and settle one of the new worlds won in the war. The story of those years on the colony worlds has never been told until now. Hmm. That's it. So Ender's still, you know, 12 years old, I guess. <laughs> uh, in this That's one. one long year for that boy. <laughs> that was a rough time. Yeah. But... Of course, I'm really looking forward to it. I love those books. Yeah, he's a good writer. <clears throat> yep. So, what's that about? Uh, oh, I was just saying, um, like... I uh, think I've got... The, the Ender's, Ender's Game comic book came out recently, and uh, Marvel oh. Comics did a, a podcast with uh, uh, Orson Scott Card, and he talked about the next book coming out, and it was the one you just got. Oh, neat. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did listen to that interview. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's neat. So uh, he was talking about the, the the comic book being a um a like a blueprint for a movie. Yeah, I I, I heard that. That was interesting. Um, but he also said that the comic book was going to be very very long. Yeah, uh, it was, it's actually it was like not that long. There. But it's a, it's, nope. it's only five issues. But uh, but oh, it, I, it, I thought he he must have meant that um. In terms, I mean, of, they're going to tell a complete story in five issues. Well, I think it's possible. I mean, it's a lot I better than was Star Wars in one issue, you know. Lots and lots and lots of issues. Well, and I thought that he I was think saying it that been done um, in ten hey, or everything's in there. Mm-hmm. Depends. It depends. Like, 
uh, a lot of the sequences can be summed up in one panel, you know? Sure. And um, comic book storytelling is, you know, just like in movie storytelling, a montage. Uh-huh. You just solve it with a montage. Right. Okay. It reminds me of the song from uh, from the... Uh, uh, what's that movie where Kim Jong-il is a puppet? Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't remember. There's a... There's a South Park movie team, or something. Team no. America? Yeah, Team America. That's it. Uh, I have not seen that. Oh, it's funny. It's funny stuff. <laughs> um, there, there's a musical sequence where uh, all the superheroes are getting ready for action, and it says, We're going to do it with a montage. <laughs> they <keep> the <laughs> montage of them getting ready. <laughs> Very funny. That's good. All right. I've only got Any more? One more? One more title. Um, it's called uh, the Shakespeare. I'm sorry, not Shakespeare. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me here. Hold on just a second. It's the Sherlock Holmes Theater. Ah, um, it's done by Yuri Rizovsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, William Gillette, and Yuri Rizovsky read by a full cast. So it's uh, audio drama, mm-hmm. uh, five CDs long with. Um, I think three stories in it. One's just called uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes, which is written by Arthur Conan Doyle, and then Arthur Conan Doyle's The Speckled Band, mm-hmm. and then Yuri Rozovsky wrote Ghastly Murder in Fame Detective's Flat. Oh, so, that sounds like a great idea. Uh-huh. You know, so, um, somebody murdered someone in... in 221B Baker Baker Street. That's a great idea. Cool. Yep. So I'm looking forward to that. And it's uh, audio drama. Oh, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. And Yuri Rozovsky is one of the fellows, of course, who did the uh, Beyond 2000 2000X mm-hmm. series with Harlan Ellison, mm-hmm. which has some of the best audio drama ever in it. Yep. So, Talented uh, guy. Yeah, I highly recommend Repent Harlequin, said the TikTok man. Stars Robin Williams and Harlan Ellison and Stefan Rudnicki's in it. And you can get it from audible.com, mm-hmm. but the the negative part about that is it's not in stereo when you get it that way. But right now, there is no other way to get it other than finding yourself a copy on eBay or something. Because, Getting that uh, time machine to listen to it on the radio. Yeah, it was on NPR. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, you can get it from audio or Audible. Um, didn't you? Didn't you have a couple more uh, Mercedes Lackey's Foundation? Oh, didn't we talk about that last no, week? No, I don't think so. We, did. we didn't talk about okay. anything last week. We had uh, uh, interview. Okay. All right, I, I thought we had talked about those. Okay, yeah, I've got two more um, fantasies then from um, Brilliance Audio. Oh, one of them Foundation. By Merslacky. And I've got that right here. And see, I thought I remembered saying, uh, you know, that's a famous title. Didn't they know that? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, the, my, my, maybe two weeks ago. It wasn't maybe last, so. week, last week. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. But anyway, we'll talk about it again. Sure. Um, it's a it's a fantasy. Mercedes Lackey writes. Uh, she's very prolific. I've seen her on the shelves. I've never read anything by her. Um, 
But this is, uh, you know, short as epic fantasies go. It's uh, ten hours long. Read by Nick Podell. Um, I'll read the paragraph of the description. Mags had been working at Peter's Mine, slaving in the dark, cold seams, looking for sparklies for as long as he could remember. The children who worked the mine were orphans, kids who had been abandoned, who had lost their parents, or were generally unwanted. But Mags was different. Mags was bad blood, because his parents were bandits who had been killed in a raid by the Royal Guard. Bad blood because he'd been found in a cradle in the bandits' camp. Blood so bad that no one had wanted to take him in except Cole Peters. When he was big enough to see over the sides of the sluices, he had gone to work at the mine. Mags knew nothing of the world beyond the mine and was unaware of how unusual his paltry existence was. Then some strangers on huge white horses forced their way past the Peters family and carried him away to Haven to become a herald trainee. Sounds good. Yeah. And then... Wizard's First Rule by Terry Goodkind. Yeah, see, I think we did talk about this, because um, remember there, there's a TV show associated with this. Yeah, we talked about the, the, the book, absolutely. Um, but I, I don't know if that was on the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, well, Wizard's First Rule by Terry Goodkind. This is an audiobook that has been out for a very long time, um, but it's been re-released because it's got a new cover and it's a TV tie-in. Right. There's a new television series called Legend of the Seeker, which I believe has started. Yeah, I saw somebody um, on SF Signal was bitching about how uh, you can get it on iTunes. You have to, you have to, you can either watch it on uh, syndicated television or get it on iTunes. But get it on iTunes, it's not free and it's expensive mm. and. They're basically making a big complaint about uh, the format, I think. Huh. All right. How, how are they, they going to enjoy the series if, 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 if they have to pay money for the first one? Yeah, they ought to uh, give you a sample at least. Well, and I, I've seen iTunes do that before. Yeah, they, they often Obviously, do there's a deal the there, but they'll, they'll give you the first episode free. Yeah, give, give I've seen the them do that. Yeah, I, it makes sense to me. But it's two bucks an episode, usually, on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, it's I, not terrible. I, I don't see that being a problem as long as you know you can find a sample somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So um, Trish is going to review this. My wife. She's finished listening to it and really liked it. Oh, already uh, finished listening to it. Yeah. Uh huh. Wizard's first rule. Wow. Wizard's first rule. Yeah. Mm. So we we've had that in for only seven weeks. CDs. Okay. <laughs> no, no, that's no, doable. <laughs> no, days. this is uh, 28 CDs. Do I have that wrong on the This page? is first rule. Oh, my gosh, I do. Seven CDs. I also I have made an error. The publisher was wrong, so I fixed that. Yeah, it's not seven CDs. It's Check 28. Check the ISBN as well while you're there. Okay. It's 28 CDs. 35 okay. hours long. Yeah. 35 short hours. What about the Mercedes Lackey one? Is that correct? Nine CDs? The Mercedes Lackey one is nine discs. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Uh, ten hours long. All right. It's unusually short for a fantasy novel. Right, right. Okay, whoops. I need to be more careful. <laughs> it's not... No right. damage done. <laughs> Somebody says, Seven CDs on a bridge? He has what? been sacked. They're talking fast. <laughs> He's been sacked. All right. And that is all of our new arrivals. Wait a, a second. Bunch, though, we, huh? we didn't talk about the Halloween tree. 
We didn't talk about that before either. Maybe we did. <laughs> I'm wrong. I think I, I think, think we did. I think we did. I think we talked about that ships of Earth and Valis. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to make a make a point. Um, I haven't received it in yet, but um, Guest Law from John C. Uh, written by John C. Wright uh, is mm. out in Finnevox. Came out in late October. Um, oh, neat. Yeah, that one. It's going to be guaranteed good listen because uh, it's from Infinivox. It yes, says, it uh, there be pirates in the vast void of space. Does not the poet say, beware of the strangeness of the stranger. Unknown things bring unknown danger. The noble ship Procrustes was silent as a ghost. Warships can be silent if they are slow. Only their missiles need speed. And so it was silent, slowly. That was that the Procrustes approached the stranger's cold vessel. So, First contact uh, in in the grand tradition and uh, going to be guaranteed good listen. Fifty two minutes, one CD. Great. Yeah, Tom Deere. Yes, narrator. very very much looking. Yeah, I like him as an area. Yeah, too. he's good. Yep. Fantastic. It is indeed. All right. I got um, a couple things uh, on the go. Going to be writing reviews for. Um, uh, Shadow Kingdoms, which is a long time in uh, listening. Um, it's a, a collection of Robert E. Howard stories, and uh, oh, really from audio realms. Yeah, really diverse. Um, we've got basically every kind of uh, Robert E. Howard fiction, at least fantasy fiction, and um, definitely some awesome stuff in there. So I'll, I'll write that up, and then maybe we can talk about it next week. Okay. I started playing Fallout 3. Fallout 3. Yeah. Nice stuff, huh? Oh, so addictive. So addictive. <laughs> uh, I, I, I installed it, went to work while it was installing. When I got home, I started playing it, and mm-hmm. I played until 6 a.m. <laughs> all oh night, gosh. all night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so oh, addictive, neat. man. It's really I'm fun. so far behind on the games. Um, you know, we got an Xbox 360, so I've been playing some Halo 3. You can get Fallout for uh, Xbox. Yeah, so I need to try that out. Um, it's so I've been really fun. impressed. I'm playing Half-Life 2 right now. Oh, it's good. I which is here. it's almost like watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, uh, i got to tell you, Fallout 3 is, is just amazing because it's... If you've played Fallout One and Fallout Two, you have the um, the uh, the same sort of interface. But in those ones, it was basically a point-and-click adventure. You you know, it like in the tradition of uh, King's Quest or Space Quest, where you walk onto a screen and then you click around on things. This is mm-hmm. this exact same thing, except it's first-person perspective. Or third person, you can go third person if you want, but first person, so you're like looking out at this vast wasteland, and you can walk in any direction you want, and there's stuff to do. You get into quests. Wow. It's like um, it's like what I imagine uh, World of Warcraft is like, except actually fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, like the quests are not like, uh, hey, let's go kill something. The quests are like, uh, uh, there's somebody over there, maybe they'll talk to me, maybe they won't, because the, somebody wrote the stories, like there's tons of stories, and uh, you just get into interactions, and you don't know where they're going to go, you don't know what's going to happen, there's mysteries around every corner, and uh, you get all the the cool um, perks that you have in the older games, oh man, it's so cool. Great. 
yeah, super addictive. I recommend you not start doing it if you don't want to lose your job and family. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want a divorce, don't get this game. <laughs> oh, they should put that on the cover. Uh, <laughs> no, because then they'll lose sales. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. 